this morning. Uh, a couple things here. Um, we have a couple of very, very wonderful gals that have been in our church here for the last few months on an exchange program from Brazil. And I'm not going to embarrass them too much. Um, <clears throat> but they're actually going back to Brazil. Is it this week, girls? You head back this week? And you know what? You've been part of our family, and we just wanted to acknowledge this. And we also just wanted to let you know that you're loved and appreciated here at the People's Church. And whether you have the opportunity to come back here or not, we would count it a privilege. But please keep us informed. And so, Manu and Maara, did I get that close? Maara? I can't roll my R's very well. We have something that we'd like to give you on behalf of the People's Church. I'm going to just ask you to come this close to me, would you? I won't get you up on the platform, but <clears throat> just a little something. I was trying, trying to think, what could we give you that is a keepsake? You've probably got all kinds of different things from the community, T-shirts and hats and all kinds of different recipes, but I want to give you an English New Testament. And inside, I wrote this. Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. Now, it's not this book, but it's the reading thereof. And I heard a good quote. I've got to use it. I've been waiting to use this. Do you girls have Facebook? Well, let me give a plug for Facebook. Get your face in this book. Weren't that good there? Yeah. So we want you to have a copy on behalf of the thank People's you. Church. And thank you, girls. And God bless you. And can I pray for the both of you? Yes. All right. Dear God, we just thank you for these girls. We thank you for the young ladies that they're growing into. We thank you for what you have for them. This time that they've had with us as part of our family. God, the lessons that they have learned. I pray that they, their lives will be closer drawn to you because of the times that we've been together. Encourage them now as they go home. May they be the salt and light where they live. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. And drop us a note. Let us know what's going on, okay? God bless you. You're welcome. You'll want to talk to them before because I'm not exactly sure when their flights are. A couple other things. Um, Doug uh, Hudson or Henderson, excuse me, Henderson family was sitting in the back row last week. Um, his wife Ann passed away this week, and the funeral, uh, family funeral, will be this afternoon at four o'clock. So if you could remember them in prayer, that would be greatly appreciated. They have no church family, and uh, she attended here a long time ago, and uh, so that was kind of the connection. So we need to be praying for them and encouraging them. Uh, especially for Doug during this time. Um, with that in mind, let's pray and ask God just to guide in hearts and lives. Dear God, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the privilege already. What we've heard, what we've seen, the great singing, singing to you. What a delight. And God, we want to honor you today in every area of our life. And as we've taken the opportunity this week just to kind of break apart from the routines and to spend time with God's people in your house, we thank you. And may it be an encouragement to all. 
I thank you for these two ladies. We continue to pray for them. God, we think of those that are dealing with struggles today, and we think of of Doug today, and especially um, as he goes through these moments with his family. We continue to pray for Eugene. God, we think of others today that continue to need the God of comfort. May we be your ambassador. May we be that person that is alongside and linking up with men and women who need to experience the comfort that only you can give by knowing you as their personal Savior. God, we commit our various missionaries today to you, thanking you for them, for the privilege that we have to be a part, a small part of the ministry that they have, their ongoing needs. God, we pray for them, their financial things, but also their their health and their spiritual needs for their families. God, we pray a special blessing on them. We open your word this morning. May our hearts be in tune. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible there, let's turn to our book that we're looking at right now, being 1 Thessalonians. And I want to jump in here this morning. And I've been talking through a number of key points. And um, as we look at it, we see these three phrases, this work of faith, labor of love, steadfast hope. Last time we talked a little bit about marks of a healthy church, if you remember, and we used the outline in chapter 1. There are certain things that leaders know about you, the people. There are certain things that the people know about its leadership, and then collectively there's a number of things that our community knows about us. We walked out with bated breath, wondering, would pastor get all of his money back? I was a little suspect there for a moment or two, but yes, it all came back, so thank you very much. Uh, I was a little nervous. Everybody was coming to me, did you get your money back? Did you get your money back? And I was trying to think, did I miss something when I candidated here? Uh, But anyway, I guess that worked well. I'm having a hard time disconnecting from the conference that we were just at. It seemed like it was in stereo. Um, We've been hearing a number of the same things, whether it be on Saturday morning or here as a church family. This whole area, topic of making discipleship, disciples, and also this area of leadership development just came out loud and clear all the way through the weekend. As I looked at these, I got thinking a little bit about his illustration that he used with the chains, the, the links, right? You can see the links. Al Cabral told us a long time ago, we need two people in our life. We need somebody who's a little bit further down the road than we are. We need to pursue them and link up with them and ask them, hey, can you help us? Can you teach me what you know? Can you show me what I need to do? That's mentorship, discipleship, leadership training, whatever you'd like to call it. That's number one. The second person in your life, you need to have somebody that you are doing the very same thing with. You're helping them. They're not quite as far as you are in the faith. And as we talked about the weekend, it became very clear there's a very definite difference between discipleship and leadership development. Every believer needs to be discipled. 
Want to say it with me together? Every believer needs to be disciple. One more time, and like you really mean it. Every believer needs to be disciple. That means me. We never grow out of it. We need to be groomed. We need to be growing. We need to continue to understand the transformation that only grace and peace can give us. Knowing that we are totally receiving God's unmerited favor and we are experiencing that peace that only comes from a life that's been reconciled with Him. That is the gospel. And that's what Paul was talking about. That's what he was doing here. He was writing this letter back to this church. And as we begin to think through, it's Paul as only Paul can be. He just keeps on hammering away here. And so we come to this next chapter too. And we begin to see him unpacking and unfolding a little bit more information around that phrase. But if we're going to talk, we're going to talk about what It is to be a leader. I didn't pick this. I'm sorry. It came in chapter 2. That's what we talked about all weekend was leadership. It's the challenge that comes with leadership. The question is, how important is your testimony? It seems to be the reputation of the messenger that everybody's interested in, because it can be damaged, then the message is less likely to be trusted. You ever heard that? Does that make sense? Thinking a little bit about that, it wasn't many moons ago when we had a political debate here in Canada, and we elected Justin Trudeau. Do you remember the debates? It's an interesting thing. We don't like what they're doing in the States, and I'm not going to make any reference to it at all. I don't think. But we don't like the hate ads. We heard that over and over. Why do they keep using them? Because they're so effective. When you listen to candidates debating, were they debating issues? Very rarely. They were trying to knock the knees out from underneath their opponent by their character. If they could question the individual's character, then the message that the person stood for was totally gone. Wow. And we thought that was just an American thing. It was happening here in Thessalonica. There was an undermining. Somehow or other, something was happening. And we understand this is a huge dilemma today, whether it be in the political world or whether it be right here in the church. Because church leaders are, in a sense, saying, follow me. Aren't we? I know uh, I'm coming down now. He told me to stamp before I came. He's having a hard time staying awake this morning. 
about half a night talking to people. That was good. That's good. That's a good thing. You can sit down now. That's good. That's good. I didn't know what you were up to. I know. I, that's why you're standing up. You're bigger than I am. You could take I'm me out at the knees. I'm tired. I know. And I was going to ask you if I could eat my head on your shoulder. <laughs> you want to come up? Let's see how that works. All right. Now that we've had that conversation, I'm not that. I'm going to get away from him. But somehow, unless we get too comfortable in our seat and we start thinking this is just about church leadership, let's talk about leadership in general. We found out this weekend we're all leaders. We all can be leaders. But what about at home? (laughs) And the young people are saying, that's good, that's good. I can look down the aisle and see my dad and mom (laughs) fix that red wagon. What about at school? I'm not on student council. What about on the court? What about at work? If the reputation of the messenger can be damaged, then what you say will not be regarded. Warren Buffett put it this way. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you might do things a little differently. Chapter 2. For yourselves, no brethren. This is coming off from chapter 1. Because we see it back in chapter 1. Because it says, For you know in verse 4, brothers, loved by God, that he's chosen you. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. The kind of men in chapter 1 that they would be willing to imitate, that they would be willing to receive the words from, even though it would cost them and they would be afflicted, that that did not change him from going out and letting that be known around the world. What kind of leaders were these guys? Why is it important for Paul to address this? So he says to them, for yourselves know about our coming to you. I like that. Paul came to them. We learned a little bit about that one too, didn't we? With Barnabas, that, that was really powerful. Barnabas went out and sought after Paul. Barnabas was huge in this. But we see this particular phrase, and as it comes, it says, hey, look, for yourselves, know that our coming. What was it? Three things. First of all, it was in power, chapter 1. It didn't come, and it didn't end up in vain. How many people have come, and everything that they've said has been totally disregarded because of the life that they led? It's transformational. Number one, the leader has to be transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, they become authentic. It says not only, not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know. 
We could go back to chapter 16 of Acts and you could read what took place in Philippi. And here are these guys. They do this great work and end up in jail and they're singing in jail. Don't you think for one minute that didn't get across the board? People knew. I was sitting there yesterday. I guess it was Friday. And how many guys were there? Just put your hands up, guys there. Guys there. Good number, right? Good. I say this, guys, right off the cuff. The elephant in the living room. You ready? The music. It was loud. Okay, just just thought I'd get that out. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, hey, I know that goopy guy. Is that his last name? I don't know him well. But I saw him last year, and he did a wonderful job, didn't he? And if you were there last year, he had the bald guy get up and sing one song with him. That's all it was. And I was impressed. They had tremendous harmony. Just the two of them singing. And I think they sang it a cappella, if I remember right. So I know Dave. I don't know Boglehead. Steve, thanks. And I don't know those three giants that were in the back row with a three-piece band and a drum kit that I'd never seen like that before in my life. That close. I was sitting second row, Danny, front of that big speaker. And they touched off the first set. I could feel it. <laughs> I didn't hear it, Bob. I felt it. And I didn't know what to do. So I sat there. I'm not exactly sure, and we don't have time to tell you all the thoughts I had, but somebody had a brainwave. second testimony was from Steve. No longer the bogglehead. I would imagine it's probably still, is that, would that still be on wherever, Dave, where are you? Is that still online? If you've never heard Steve Summers' story, it'll revolutionize how you think about suffering. Because in 212, his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. Two years of treatment. And before the treatment is completed, his wife is diagnosed with breast cancer. They've already sung two sets. I'm sitting in the front row. And I'm like, dear God, he's the real deal. And then I rehearsed the songs that that man sang. I realized this guy knew what he was talking about. 
what the Apostle Paul brought to Thessalonica. He's been touched by God. He's been changed by God. He's lived. He's tried. He's proven. He's not perfect. But he loves God. how they came. And because of those two things, there was a boldness about him, the text says. It says that we had a boldness in what? Our God. He wasn't alone in prison. Who was shackled with him? His co-worker and the both of them are in prison singing praises to God with their backs slid open and they were in the most uncomfortable place they could have been. And it was before the earthquake they were singing and I just thought of Steve singing in the midst of pain. And the Boldness. When God touches your life, leader, you're never the same. It's not us. It's God. So they see these things. We heard this as a leader. A leader doesn't need a title. Will not accept the status quo and does what others will not do. I couldn't say it any better. That's what we heard at the conference. That's the kind of leadership that turned the world upside right for the glory of God. But we also know this. That our appeal, that word appeal, is the same thing that we see in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, there's a boldness about what they do because of what's taken place in their life. A leader is an individual who's been touched by God, he knows God, and he's courageous, and that boldness gets them out in places where few would dare tread. Isn't that the Apostle Paul? And he begins to talk about the message. And he says, We declared to you the gospel of God in the midst of conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error. Do we believe the gospel to be the truth, the only truth? How much of the gospel do we get out in the course of a week? The confidence in God to share the life-changing message. You think about Paul. What did he do? He went right into the lion's den every time. I'm still working up the nerve. I'm a wimp. Every morning, 
giving you history here, Sunday morning. I come to church just a little early. And I make my way to Tim Hortons. First few times I went through the drive-thru. I'm dressed to the nines like this. Sometimes with my Tilly hat on and my black trench coat. And God convicted me and said, you wimp, get inside. So now I walk inside. There's a group of guys in the corner. They're always there. Do you realize that from 3 o'clock until 9 o'clock, Tim Hortons is loaded with people? I didn't know that. I asked the gal. I said, must get boring in here. She said, boring? There are people in here all night long. She said, it really heats up at 3 a.m. i like, you're kidding me. Think of all the shift work that we have, whether it be the hospital or Craig's that works 24 hours, right? Some of these guys, what do they do at 3 a.m.? Go get coffee. Every two hours, they said, there's coffee. And there's this group of guys. And this morning, you know, you pray for me. This morning, they've been watching me. I've been watching them. And this morning, it was close. I wimped out. The one guy had my attention. He had my eye. They know who I am. Boldness. Step up. Somebody said this last week, jump in. Jump in. Because if you jump in, that means you're in. If you haven't jumped in, you're not in yet, are you? You think about the water, you think about anything. You've got to be in or you're not in. We need leaders today, and that was the kind of leader that Paul was. He jumped in when no one else would because he believed the message that he had was truth that could change lives. The motive we see, it's not impurity. There was no shenanigans here. They weren't peddling anything. They weren't looking to receive maybe jail time. He's reminding these believers of his character, how he came to them. So that when they got to the method, they realized there was no deception. So there is no deception here. Because we have been approved of God. That's the whole point. We can't do it to please men. I remember in one of our churches... Uh, way back when we were in Word of Life and we were just members and they were going through a struggle and it was a doctrinal thing and we had one guy in our church. His name was Wayne, but that's about all we had in common. He was the quietest guy I've ever met. Real tradesman, but a real deep, rooted believer and leader. The meeting got going. Bob, you've been to those kind of meetings. They get all wound up, got no place to go. 
and all of a sudden there was a bit of a hiccup or a cessation of activity, and Wayne stood up in the back, and he started to make his way to the front of the auditorium. And the whole place just went quiet because Wayne never says anything except when he's got something to say. And he got to the front, and whenever it was, you'd see this little lip start to quiver. And he stood in front of us. And he just basically said, this is wrong. He could have sat in the back like most people would have and just let it go because what would people think? I know that you don't have that problem. I do. What would people think? But he didn't do it because of flattery. He didn't do it because of greed. He didn't do it for affirmation. He didn't do it for himself because we are here and God is our witness. And so as leaders... a huge thing. So what do you know? You yourselves know about how we came here. You know that our appeal did not spring from any other thing than the fact that God has changed us and he needs to change you. He would not allow his character to get in the way of the message. I'm going to do something this morning, unrehearsed. Guys, take a deep breath. I'm going to ask our deacons to come to the front. Men, come on up here for a minute. just want to show you something. we got two new guys, by the way. We voted in, Lloyd and Dave. They're here. Um, come on up. Come on up, guys. I want to say a special thank you to Philip, Dowie back here, and to Larry. Um, being on the board for all these years, the help that they've been, and just the fact that this church has leadership, godly leadership. This is us, guys. Notice my positioning. Most times we think that the pastor is kind of, I don't know, just all by himself. If you could make a little bit of room, guys. I'm one of many. I want you to see the word picturing. It's important. The church here at the Peoples elects. You elected these men. I'm not going to embarrass their spouses here. We do it for the money. I'm sorry, Lloyd, I forgot. 
We do it for the chance to have meetings. We do it because, you know what, we really just like great in you guys. We do it because of the transformational truth of the grace and peace of God that is working in our life. I know these men as you know them. Are they perfect? (laughs) You notice why I looked over here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We need a little work here, folks. There's, There's no perfection here. We're not doing it out of any other motive than God is our witness. As a matter of fact, I know for all of these men, they were reluctant. Reluctant leadership is not a bad thing if you have the qualifications. Can I say something to you? In love. And you know we love you. You know the manner of men that we were and that we are and how we came to you. And how our appeal has been to you. You want to knock us out of the game? Talk about our character. And you will negate the message. The Bible's strong on how to deal with leadership. Because sometimes we get out of hand and we need somebody to come talk to us about our character. There's a way to do that. One last point. Men, let's go back to our seats. I'm going to show you something. This structure that you just saw was corporate America, Canada. We make all the decisions in the boardroom. We decide on behalf of the people what's best for you. But that's not the church of the living Christ, is it? Because what you just saw was every man went back. And they sit and they live among you. And the final question... Excuse me. Leaders, doesn't it sound like Christ? Isn't that what they said in chapter 1? We're imitators of God. And so the people that we come across, we're going to encourage them to imitate us because we're imitating Christ. They've got to have examples. So we must lead like Christ, men. But because we are among you, folks, here's your question. We're asking you, and this is how the conference ended on Saturday morning, what can we do for you? We are your servants. 
Dear God, we thank you for your church. We thank you for the way you've designed it. It's not for us to debate. It is ours to obey. I thank you for the people's church. I thank you for the men, the women, not just the deacons, but every committee, every committee leader, every dad, every mom, every boy, every girl who calls this their home. May we have a church that sounds out the gospel in this community so well that we don't have to call in an evangelist to do the work for us. God, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.